Hi everybody and welcome to uh, Market Shapers. We are really excited today because we are joined by Ryan Strife of the Perry Miller Strife Group of Dave Perry Miller. And Ryan, welcome. Thank you. Uh, let's start because we are in a very cool listing of yours and so I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about where we're at today. Sure. Um, we're here at 3509 Crescent in Highland Park. It's the uh, old Highland Park installation. Uh, what makes this house really special is the attention to detail we were talking about a few minutes ago um, from start to finish. But uh, this uh, seller had this constructed circa 2001 and uh, it was actually applauded by HRH Prince Charles oh, wow. uh, in a letter to the um, architect, uh, Scott Merrill, uh, who's out of Florida. So um, received a lot of good press from that yeah. and um, it's on a little over half an acre. Um, with a house across the street that just uh, closed that was listed for $10 million in a, in a lot for $4,750,000. So it's a really great opportunity for somebody uh, that wants to come in. There's a guest house in the, in the background here that's really phenomenal. So it's from an architectural standpoint, it's the people that really get architecture yeah. that, that understand this property and the proximity to the Travis Walk, Katy Trail, things like that. Well, and just when we were sitting here talking, kind of getting ready, we noticed even like the attention to detail of the lighting, yeah. you know, in some of the rooms. And so yeah. there's so much detail has been put into it. So yeah, for someone who's an art collector, you know, that's, that, that's what will resonate with this house. But uh, really people that are kind of get, like I said, architecture and that uh, understand it start to finish, this the attention to detail. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with living in a house that Prince Charles is aware of. Yeah, that doesn't hurt. Yeah, so. right. Absolutely. Well, to kind of get started, I thought maybe what we'd do is just try a little bit about how your journey into real estate started, mm -hmm. you know, how you got to kind of to this point. Um, you know, I uh, went to SMU, grew up in Lake Highlands and uh, got out of SMU and went into uh, investment banking, uh, corporate finance after that. Uh, my mom was a real estate agent uh, at Abbey Halliday that entire time and um, just a desk job, uh, even though it was really good experience, was just not for me, even though I spent a lot of time right. behind the desk today. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, being in control of one's business, I'm kind of a family of entrepreneurs and so um, it was a, a natural uh, lead in to join my mom and start in real estate, even though that was not your typical career path after someone that's kind of on that finance trajectory, but it was in 2000 and 2000, whenever I, 2001, I left investment banking, whatever, that was kind of going downhill. So it was a good time to, to get out of that business. And anyway, since then, two years later, I joined Dave Perry Miller. Uh, and then three years into that is where Dave and I kind of got connected. Really, it was more to do with the rental properties I started accumulating. And he thought that was smart uh, and told me, hey, if you ever, if you find one and you can't do it, and I said, well, Dave, I can do one about every year and a half so <laughs> I can help you right now yeah and uh, you know within a month or so he had one under contract and then he asked me could you help me with this could you help me with that and that was eight or nine years ago and that's when I started you know co-listing and doing things with Dave to help run his book of business yeah well it's been an amazing partnership for yeah sure. absolutely well one of the things that we want to focus a little bit on with you because mm -hmm. um, you have this amazing expertise that I know a lot of people are really intrigued by but you know we're sitting in this amazing listing and so you represent some of the you know really great sellers and some of the great properties in our marketplace and so how did that kind of first come about you know as you started kind of realizing that you had maybe one an interest into it and then kind of an expertise in that as well well I have to give credit where credit is due I mean it started with Dave Perry Miller yeah so you know Dave uh, was quietly our number one salesperson in the firm, uh, and I know he doesn't take as active a role today, but at that point he was showing houses, doing everything, and so um, you know I tell people often it's amazing what uh, the power that someone like Dave can do for another agent who 
has the kind of wherewithal but not the experience. And so showing up with him to a listing appointment, um, Dave would often say, you know, people would be wondering, like, who is this guy sitting there next to Dave? <laughs> and oftentimes I, I didn't say a word right. until the very end. I'd be like, hey, I'm Ryan. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Dave would kind of launch in and, you know, it's Dave, right? Yeah. Um, but he would say, look, you're going to be not just in good hands but great hands with, with Ryan uh, helping. Uh, and he would often say, you know, Ryan works as hard as I used to work in my 30s. And um, it's amazing what just that, those sentence or two can do for somebody for yeah. that opportunity. And that's what's the hardest thing, in, I think, in, in the upper end market is just, just getting an at-bat. And so that's what he did for me. And I think if you, if you work hard and you're, um, you communicate regularly, just all the things that people do, it's, it's not that different. Um, but there is a heightened sense for, I guess, a lack of tolerance for dropping the ball and the, you know, missing a detail on a contract and things like that, that, um, everything's just a little bit more heightened, I would say. Yeah. So, so so it certainly sounds like almost having kind of that mentor partnership in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So someone that was, you know, maybe wasn't, they're in real estate, they aren't representing a lot of properties that would, you know, be be considered in that higher end, but they're interested in it, you know, finding someone that they can partner with, have a mentor, you know, again, to increase those at bad opportunities seems like that's kind of the way of getting in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think it's natural for an agent to have an opportunity and, and maybe they have a really solid in. Maybe they're even a relative of that person and it's right. a $5 million house. Oftentimes, they're not going to get the listing even if they think they are going to because they just don't have the experience and that person yeah. can afford a $5 million house because they're probably pretty smart. Right. And so they're probably going to go with someone with experience. So why not find someone within Dave Perry Miller, partner with them. Yes, you make less money. But you know you've increased your odds of getting that listing right. probably two or threefold, right? And plus you have somebody else to split the duties of the showings, which you know, as Dave Primo would often say, you know, the agent to meet world is it reads better than it lives. You know, people <laughs> see, um, you know, my team with all these big listings, but you know we have to be prepared. And if you're doing your job for the sellers, you're going to make sure that you're not the one getting in the way of a listing being shown. And so we yeah. take great pride in that, and that's the reason why I've tried to do for the agents on my team, what Dave did for me is now with my experience and, you know, where Dave gave me those opportunities that have kind of grown to where we are today is do the same thing for them. When we go into that listing opportunity, a lot of the agents on our team are, could very well get that listing opportunity on their own, but I'm just increasing the odds and then helping to kind of split some of the responsibilities to, um, and then the whole idea is just have more listings, you know, to have more at bats. Right. And, then, and then as you're getting those listings, it's kind of a good transition into it. Talk a little bit about maybe the different levels of, of marketing or what type of marketing seems to be effective mm-hmm. from both sides. What the seller expects you to do and then what you find to be of actually effective marketing in the, in the market for, to attract buyers at some of those different breakpoints in, mm-hmm. in luxury listings. So a million plus to five and then above and then you've got listings that are 20 million plus. And so kind of describe maybe what those different marketing uh, items look like in those different breakpoints. Yeah, so I think what's important to know is how seasonal it is at certain right. levels. So you start there, um, you know, and we're having this discussion. I don't even know what today is, June 19th or yeah. something. So it's, uh, but the point is, is after uh, July 1st, probably at about two and a half to $3 million, it is amazing how many of those sellers are gone in the summer. Mm-hmm. They have second homes or their families and they're taking extended summer vacations because they can afford to. And it just gets really quiet. So some of the mistakes I see some agents is that they don't know that, you know, because mm-hmm. they just haven't lived it. Um, and so they're taking price reductions too late in the spring season. 
um, or they're making placements, you know, right whenever the fish are leaving the pond. So sometimes we're proactively taking those off, you know, to reset days on market, um, you know, give the house a rest. Uh, you know, we're all experiencing a slower market now. Um, but that's kind of one thing that's important right now at this yeah. time to be thinking about. Great point. Um, and, you know, on that note, kind of everybody knows that the spring market is the A market, but uh, the fall market is the B market, and mm -hmm. it's the second best opportunity. So we try to kind of load our marketing to launch right around that time frame that, like I said, the fish are returning to the pond, which would be kind of middle of August to late August. Um, you know, if you're going to be sending letters out, that's the time to do it. You know, things like that um, to... Uh, to catch those people in stride. But as far as what do we do differently than the person that has the $500,000 listing than the five million, you know, we try to elevate everything from the graphics that we, we uh, send out. Um, we're always gonna do floor plans. A lot of people do that too. Uh, but then it gets into when you get up over that level, maybe you're doing kind of a higher end video. Mm -hmm. uh, we just finished one uh, on a listing uh, in uh, the W uh, penthouse. And, um, and those can be really effective. Uh, but then I think beyond that, the expectations for the clients are that if you're going to have a spot in uh, a publication, then it maybe be a little bit more prominent. Mm -hmm. So I will say that it can get expensive. I think you have to have a governor there because you know <laughs> you can spend a lot of money, and then if these listings are not moving, you know it can bankrupt a lot of agents. Right. And I've seen it happen. Uh, so it's kind of a high risk, high reward, and it's um, so I would say you can't get carried away with it. It needs to be always effective. Digital marketing is becoming more uh, prevalent, and you know that's something that I think you can kind of leverage those dollars more. But um, uh, and then letters and having kind of lists of people that have money, because obviously the nice thing about this is there's fewer data points, fewer people that can afford a ten million dollar house. Yeah. So you know we do cultivate lists of those people so we can put this in front of them. How do you see um, the 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 buyer pool? So when you're in that price point of let's say five million and above. Um, are you looking at it, is it typically buyers that are local or is it it's from afar or it can be a little bit of both? I'm, I'm trying to think like how, how far out do you have sure. to kind of stretch your marketing to attract those eyeballs? You know, it, and I think that's sort of a seductive thing, even, you know, whether it's us or our competitors are talking right. about that it's going to be, you know, someone from overseas and yeah. that happens. But the reality is, is most of the time they're local. It's local, yeah. And uh, so you need that in some ways to make sure that the seller feels like, at least you're um, getting the word out to that maybe 10%, but 90% yeah. is going to be local. So it's more important, you know, the local publications, um, you know, whether it's Candy's Dirt, you know, on the digital side yeah. or, um, you know, things we're doing with a company with uh, Modern Luxury. You know, I think those are important because they're more focused here. And, um, but the reality is, is a lot of times we know who the buyers are and uh, it's just kind of connecting the dots. And that is one thing I will say. Having one listing, you're a little bit on an island based on an information basis because you don't know who the buyers are that are out there. And that is something that we have an advantage because we know we've seen that this person looked at this one, so it's not, you know, brain surgery. We'll just pull that list up and then yeah. call that right. agent at, you know, company X and say, you need to show this listing we have coming on the market and make them look good because they now know about something that's not yet on the MLS. And that's what we do. Yeah. So it's interesting to hear about that that life cycle kind of being different mm -hmm. of those summer lulls. You know, it's a it's an earlier spring and then a fall fall mm -hmm. market. When you're working with a buyer, I mean, may, how does that translate when you're working with a buyer too? Mm -hmm. um, um, as far as you know, preparing the buyer when the best time is to look for for properties in those price points. 
You know, right now it's it's a buyer's market. I mean, yeah. I, and I think most agents know that, but I would say that across the board, um, it, it's there's definitely the buyers have the leverage right now. We've seen we've seen more terminations than we've seen in a long time. You know, buyers are almost looking for reason not to purchase something right mm. now because you know it's the reverse of what's happened in the last five years. You know, when you have a trajectory like this, and you know people have that sense of urgency because if I don't buy now, it's going to be more expensive. And as interest rates were hiking up, then that was also getting yeah. that sense of urgency. Now interest rates have come down, um, but prices are softening, and, and buyers see it firsthand. And, and I know uh, Steve Brown just had an article in the last week about um, Dallas being uh, overinflated by as much as 14%. Well, the buyers read that, yeah. and, and again, it just makes them kind of back off. So you know, I think that's something that if you have a buyer right now, you're in a good spot. I will say that what I'm still seeing uh, premiums paid for are houses that are brand new yeah. or have had complete renovations. So that's a word to the wise for sellers is, hey, this summer, if you want to spend some money and get prepared to have a more turnkey listing in the fall, that would be really smart um, at any price range, frankly. But uh, right now, I think the real opportunities for buyers are those houses that need some work mm -hmm. um, but are in a real A-plus location. Yeah. Because I almost feel like even some of these seasoned buyers are taking kind of a B location just so they don't have to go through the headache of redoing something, even if it's, you know, relatively an easy redo. Yeah, right. So that's what I would tell buyers, my buyers, is, you know, let's, let's look for those really sought-after yeah. locations with good floor plans and but maybe need a little bit of work. Um, you know, that would be the counsel I'd be giving them now. Yeah. And so with, with sellers and buyers in this price point, too, mm -hmm. do, you, do you see a little, it sounds like what you're describing a little bit, too, is that they can be a little bit more patient sometimes because, you know, certainly like when I was, we have two kids and it's like, okay, it's time we got to go, you know, and here comes the third. Now it's time we got to, we have to move. It seems like sometimes there's a little bit more discretion in, we don't have to move at this point in time. If the right deal comes along, the right location comes along. So mm -hmm. I can see where that life cycle can kind of get stretched a little bit. Yeah. And this, you know, a good example of that is, uh, Typically, you know, the coveted buyer is the relo buyer like yourself yeah. that comes in yeah. and they, they need to, to buy something. Yeah, right. But I've seen several relo buyers recently, one that I ran into at YPO and he said, you know, Ryan, I, I saw several properties in the five million range. Uh, this was, you know, say a year ago. Right. And he was ready to buy, but they're coming from up north and they're getting hit a lot harder than we are. And everyone needs to kind of realize that is that they're taking it on their house in their respective city. And then they come here and then all of a sudden it's like, well, I'm not going to get that level of discount, but that's where their mentality is. Yeah. But when he came, he decided to just see how, what would happen with their house comes back six months later, all those houses are still in the market and they're on average a half a million dollars less now. So 10% less. So he said, you know, thank God I didn't buy, yeah. but now he's a little gun shy. And he said, you know, I think we're just going to lease. We didn't typically hear that even a year, two right. years ago those reload buyers always bought. Now they're considering leasing. So that's kind of a kind of a shift, but it's just, just kind of playing the game. Like maybe we're not at the bottom, right? Maybe no, there's th even more to that's go. That's kind of, I think where yeah. people are, where is the bottom? But I think for those buyers right now, why not make an offer and find out? Right. And it's almost, and we hear that as listing agents, like, well, our, our sellers are saying, just, well, just tell them to make an offer. And sometimes that's yeah. the hardest thing is to get that buyer. So I've kind of seen two properties. It's either that new or newer construction selling, right. or it's like a screaming deal. Yeah. But the other 90 something percent of the houses fall in between and it's, it's difficult right yeah. now. It's a yeah. tough market. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, I think th this was really great because I mean, I think there's some really nuggets for folks to take away with like one would be, 
you know, find someone you can partner with, find that mentor that's in any type of specialty that you're thinking about doing, that someone can kind of help you break into that entry. And then you really do have to be an expert, not just on the types of properties, but the types of clientele that would be the sellers right. and buyers of that property. And so um, you are clearly that. Um, and we should just do every video in one of your listings because this is pretty nice. We'll just hang out here for the rest of the day if that's all right. So, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, we'll wait for a buyer to come in. We'll make a sale and that's we'll be right. done. Yeah, That'd very be wonderful. Good. Awesome. Well, Ryan, thanks so much for, for being yeah. on this. I really appreciate it. Everyone, thanks for tuning in to another edition of Market Shapers. And for those uh, listening on the new podcast, thanks for tuning in that way as well. So thanks a lot, everybody.